Hello, and welcome to the Thriving After Surviving podcast. My name is Kevin Murphy. I'm an attorney at the law firm of Murphy Landon Jones in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. And I authored a book, Surviving Cancer After Surviving Cancer, back in 2012. And I spoke at length about that book in the opening podcast, where I explained why I wrote it, which was to help families cope with the emotional side of cancer, which really wasn't being talked about, about what uh, cancer does to relationships, what it does to families. And with this podcast, what we're going to do is expand that because trauma is trauma, anxiety is anxiety, and it spans multiple diseases, multiple types of uh, problems that families have. And we're going to try to help people with guests, uh, smart people, people smarter than me, who are going to contribute to you and your family if you're going through something difficult. This podcast is being sponsored by a 501c3 that I started in 2013 because when I was giving speeches, I found that there were people who were undergoing cancer that couldn't even afford the $19 for the book. So I hit up my friends and I hit up my clients uh, to buy more books with their donations uh, so that I can give away the book to those that couldn't afford it when I was um, traveling throughout the states uh, trying to uh, help cancer organizations. And it made me feel great and I told every single person that gave me a dollar what they contributed to and uh, so now I've hit them up again which is uh, why this podcast is uh, is ongoing now the name of the foundation is the Phyllis Foundation named after my mother who had 10 tumors and refused to die Uh, and I saw what it did to our family what it did to my father who had to work extra shifts um, scrambled eggs a lot uh, on the dinner table, corned beef hash. Um, so, you know, it, uh, it means something to me that I named it after my mother. If you would like to contribute to the Phyllis Foundation to help me expand this podcast and travel with it so I can interview people all over the country, you can do so on my website, thrivingaftersurviving.com you'll see how you can contribute. Phyllis Foundation's address, though, if you want to do it that way, is P.O. Box 560, Union, Kentucky, 41091. And if you'd like to contribute, I sure would appreciate it. The first main theme of this podcast is cancer, because not only has it impacted my life twice, but it impacts everyone. There isn't anyone that escapes this life without having someone they love uh, who has cancer. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your spouse or your significant other or your child, God forbid. It happens, and sometimes it happens to you, like it happened in my family. My guest today is someone very, very special, someone I met a couple of years ago, Uh, when I was asked to speak to her magnificent organization. And uh, one of her surrogates uh, came also to uh, tell me that 
we just want you to give a speech to a couple of people. And uh, a couple of people was, what, 300, Janet, I think? 450. 450, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, you know, my, uh, my anxiety level went up just a little bit when I saw all those people, but it was fabulous. So this is Janet Chambers, and she founded an organization called I Have Wings, an organization that has helped thousands and thousands of women with breast cancer and their families. Hello, Janet. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So tell everyone um, about your story because I think your story is amazing. And I also think from the years that I've been on the road, how much I have benefited personally from li listening to people's stories uh, in, this, in this arena, what cancer uh, how it impacted them at the beginning, but in so many ways, like you, it put them on roads uh, far more wonderful than what life was prior to cancer, which uh, amazes me to this, to this day, but I've seen so much of it. So if you would share your story about, um, you know, starting when your life was turned upside down. Well, um, and I think uh, going back to the beginning is truly so important. Um, because um, certainly you don't when you look back and you you see how it has how it did affect your family and you were so blindsided at the time you don't realize as you're going through it um, but I was um, just getting ready to turn 40 um, I was a newlywed I we had a blended family um, I had three girls and my husband Mike had a son and um, the four of us, of course, you know, all the things that go along with a, a new family. Uh, so we bought a bigger house and I needed a bigger car. I had just switched jobs. So all these are stresses, major stresses in their, themselves. And then um, just before our third anniversary, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Stage two, two positive lymph nodes and at the time the doctors just said you know you have three choices you can do a mastectomy a lumpectomy or you can do nothing and of course my thought was hey this is great i'm gonna do nothing mm. and um and they said you'll be dead in 10 years mm. so that was a, a life-altering comment and certainly um one i didn't take lightly so I got very proactive um, with fighting the disease. And I'm glad to note that I'm a 20-year survivor at this point, so that's good. Yay! Yes! <laughs> Calling the applause. Um, so anyway, so that, that was very strenuous. I just turned 40. Uh, we had just celebrated with friends. We went out to San Francisco, wine country, and I came back, and two weeks later, I have no hair, and I'm going through the fight of my life. You know, mm -hmm. um, the kids took it really differently. Um, the the, the oldest son was at UK, and he was, uh, of course, a student at UK, and he had to literally step up to the plate because our medical bills started pouring in, and um, so he got a job at Kmart. And he'd go to school all day, and he'd work at Kmart all night, and then um, 
and God loving, he he helped pay for his own uh, education. And um, he works now, he's one of the partners um, at Brandstetter and Carroll. He's an architect in Lexington, so we're happy for him. Um, my three girls all differently, took it all differently. Um, the oldest one was very angry. Um, she would be very upset about the smallest of things. And then um, she ended up being on our first board of directors and got very proactive in the foundation and is very proactive about her health. The middle one ended up being a surgical nurse. She poured herself into her studies and, um, and ended up going into the medical field herself. Mm. And then um, our youngest um, child at the time, um, she held it all within. She held it all in. And I remember being um, into about six months into my treatment and her teacher called me and said, um, uh, is something going on with you? Are you, um, are you sick? Um, and I said, um, why would you ask me that? She said, because um, my youngest daughter had asked to pray for me in a prayer circle and said her mother was very sick. And, you know, I didn't know any of that um, at the time. And so when you look back at it and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't go to any of their sporting events. I, I slept on the couch all the time. And so you, you don't realize what an impact your family really. My husband was very proactive. He, we sat and went through every single treatment and said what went good, what went bad, how can we make the next one better? We never, ever looked at the big picture. We always looked at what was right in front of us. Mm -hmm. um, because that, it's overwhelming, so overwhelming. And I get that from talking to women throughout the year. I know I talk to four or 500 women a year. And, and, and that's a common thing is that it's just so overwhelming, you know, the oncologists, the radiologists, the surgeons, the, all the different doctors you have to see. So many things you have to do, you can't not do them. So, um, yeah, and, and I give that same advice. Just look at what's in front of you tomorrow. Mm. And did you have radiation, chemotherapy, or both? I had both. Um, now, back then, um, things were quite different. The leaps and bounds that we have made in, um, in studying breast cancer is just amazing to me. But, um, but back then, I did chemotherapy. Well, first I had surgery. So that, that's right there is different. Now, now, a lot of times they try to shrink the tumor and then um, sometimes they don't even need surgery. But, um, but that back then they did surgery first and then I had chemotherapy and then radiation sandwiched in between the two chemotherapies. Then we did more chemotherapy after that. So it was quite a roller coaster ride, you know, in and out of menopause and in and out of losing your hair. And it was kind of a, it was really roller coaster at that time. Yeah. How long was your treatment? You know, I was just trying to figure that out. My granddaughter asked me that same question, and I kept saying it was six months. It wasn't. It was closer to a year. But the passage of time changed you, didn't it? Yes, it did. Um, you know, I kept a journal every night. Uh, I would write in that journal. And, and I think it was a wonderful thing now, and I, I tell women to do that because uh, things that are so intense and, and really affect you, and you write it down, 
And then later you look back at it and you say, that was hysterical. Hmm. You know, uh, the day my daughter's boyf- boyfriend, who I'd never met, she wanted to go to like every homecoming in Northern Kentucky. So um, I, this boy rings the doorbell in the middle of our dinner and and it was it was hysterical. It was like a clown show. Um, I'm running around going, I don't have my wig on. I don't have my wig on. And I run in the bathroom, slam the door. The one child runs upstairs. I'll get your wig. She's holding him captive in the front door. It was hysterical. And then the, the youngest one comes running down, carrying my wig like you would um, shaking a, a rag doll. And she's like, I got it. I got it. it. It was so funny. She threw it to me in the bathroom. I came out all nice and calm and said, Hi, welcome to our home. My name, you know, it was it was really a funny night. At the time, I was devastated, but then looking back, I was just like, "This is hysterical," you know. But this put you on a new road. Yes, it did. So um, in two thousand two, looking at all the the loopholes and the things that I went through and the women who reached out to me and uh, whatnot, I started uh, my own breast cancer foundation. It's called I Have Wings. Wings has always been an acronym for with inspiration, no one goes solo. And and that is because here I was, you know, I, I just was riding high. And I knew marriage and new house, new job, new car. I was just thought I was the cat's meow and then Boom, you know, so here we are paying our bills, living life, enjoying our kids, and then you're like hitting a brick wall. So when when you look at all the other people that encounter this, you're like, you know, we don't care how much money you make. We know the bills are going to kill you. You know, we don't care where you are in your social status or your your political status or it doesn't matter. It, It absolutely doesn't matter. You all go through the same thing. So we, we want to help people emotionally, financially. Um, we do whatever we can to get them through this rough period of time. I'm going to go into uh, what your organization does. Okay. But when I spoke at your organization, and we'll talk about that a little bit towards the end, I was flabbergasted, actually, to see that many people show up for that, uh, that luncheon. And... I heard about you from uh, your president now, Monica Berger. Monica. Mm -hmm. And uh, she told me what a dynamic woman you were. And I I just want to know, I'm just so desperate. I was last night when I was prepping for this, I wanted to know how do you start something like this from scratch after, you know, you went through this um, and turn this into something so great. I, I'm, I marvel at what you've done, and I'd like you to explain how you've done it. I, I didn't do it. I, I, I owe it all to our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm a very Christian woman, um, and the day, you know, I, my husband and I ate at Caravas. We loved Caravas, and I knew the owner. And um, I said, hey, um, if I have an event, would you like, um, like, Give me the food really cheap. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. If you have it here, I'll donate all the food. So the day of our very first spring bling was at Carabas. And we literally hunkered down inside and we joined hands in a circle and held hands and we prayed and said, dear God, please let somebody show up at this event. And when we opened the doors, the line was around the building. 
Wow. So exciting. And it has just gotten bigger and bigger since then. And I think that was in 2005 was our very first one at Caravas. And then um, it was kind of a fluke that when we started the spring bling, it was a sit down luncheon on a Saturday. And it was just because women love to get dressed up. They love to wear jewelry and tiaras and, and they don't do that anymore. And so we, that's why we started it. But certainly um, later we decided that, um, you know what, we're just going to go to our board and say, hey, board, um, I know you got a bunch of junk jewelry from the 70s. Bring it on in. We're going to clean it up and put it out on a table. And it was such a big hit that we did a little flyer and said, you know, we, we talked to a lot of people. I do a lot of speaking. And we just said, you know, hey, if you got any old costume jewelry, we'd love to have it. You know, we have a committee that will clean it and we'll put it out. Good God Almighty, I feel like the Lord has opened the pearly gates and dumped all this on us and said, go figure it out. We get we got 26 boxes of jewelry last week at our P.O. box. 26 boxes in one week. It is amazing how much jewelry we get from all over the world. And we clean it and we put it out at the spring bling. We've changed the spring bling this year. And now it's a Friday night date night. We had 100 men there last year. We're still, you know, running about 500 people, but we in, we brought in like 100 men. It was such a fabulous event, but we still have the jewelry. And now we put out about 26 tables of jewelry. We never stop putting it out all night, and it's all a dollar. All the jewelry's a dollar. It's amazing. That's terrific. What does your organization do to help people with uh, breast cancer? We are very and their, and their families and their it's it's all family oriented. We are very grassroots, and um, so we we look at the big picture. So what you apply for, maybe not your core need. Um, we we had a lady that um, she applied to have us pay her electric bill, and as it turned out, her um, her unit was broken. She was going through chemotherapy and sleeping in eight layers of clothes just to stay warm. In Northern Kentucky, it's very cold in January and February. So um, we, when we found that out, and we're, you're not gonna find these things out on, through a piece of paper, you have to call them and find out where they are in this journey. So we um, were able to get her unit fixed and then paid her past due bill. She's good to go, she's warm at night and getting through her chemotherapy and a lot more comfortable. Um, you know, we had a lady who said she was she didn't have anywhere to rest. She came home and she had no she had no furniture, um, and so we literally bought her a couch. We never know what the person is going to really need until we speak to them. Um, if they have kids, we have a Christmas program, and we'll take up to fifty local families on that Christmas program, and we buy gifts for those kids. We don't want any, sometimes we buy the tree. We never know what we're going to get into on that. But we do a lot of food. Um, we get a grant from Kroger's that, that helps us with that. Uh, we do a lot of um, gas so people can get to and from their treatments, our bus fares or Ubers or whatever it is they need there to get to their treatments. Um, but then on top of that, we pay for wigs, prosthetics, lymphedema compression sleeves, and um, and we do just various unusual things that depends on what they request, you know, and then where they are, and we talk to them. 
And doesn't it help greatly uh, that they know that people on the other side of the phone, many of them who volunteer for your wonderful organization, have walked down that road before them and know a lot about it and could coach them, yes? Yes. So I used to be the sole person to call people, um, send them cards, um, send them care packages, and, and now there's three of us, and all three of us are survivors. So we all know what people are going through. And the one girl that we have, Lisa, she will call them. Like if somebody says, I have surgery next week, she'll call them and follow up and see how the surgery was. So it takes a village, it really does, to, to try to, to keep everybody in line. And, and then we do um, sheets where we share, you know, those Google Sheets where you can share information. And so we will share information about, so we know where we are with certain people and if we need to do more or we need to cut back or whatever. Last night when I was um, thinking about this podcast, uh, it, it just entered my mind something that Bernie Siegel had told me on the telephone, Dr. Bernie Siegel. Um, I read it in Love, Medicine, and Miracles, uh, too, I believe. But he told me that his life changed as a um, doctor when he had a dream. And the dream was that he was walking down the hallway of a hospital where he had privileges and he had patients. And he was walking down that hallway with God. And God said to him, uh, Bernie, uh, do you know your patients? And he said, yes. And they stopped at a doorway, looking inside to a, to a woman laying in the bed. And God said, Bernie, do you know this patient? And he, he said, yes, Lord. Um, and said her name, and I'm, um, I'm treating her uh, for cancer. And uh, tomorrow she's having a procedure. And God once again said, Bernie, do you know her? And he didn't know what he meant. And God said, she's not worried about the procedure tomorrow. She's worried about what this is doing to her husband, what this is doing to her children, how this is upsetting everything, the whole family. Uh, what advice would you give to anybody that's listening right now who, who was just diagnosed with cancer uh, to handle the emotional side of it uh, so that they can deal with this? Well, um, first of all, the, like I said in the, the, the beginning was don't look at the big picture. It's too overwhelming. Just look at what's right in front of you. Keep a journal, and even if even if that morning you wake up and you write, today I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You um, so it, I really recommend those two things. Um, I I recommend praying every day, um, every night. Keep your connection with God open. Let him know your fears, and um, and he will answer. And ironically enough, I I find when I'm 
when I'm angry with God, I get my answer really quickly. I don't know why, but um, I usually do get that answer really quickly. Um, whether it be at night, um, I journaled at night and I'd wake up in the morning sometimes and I would be like, oh my gosh, that's God inspired. He, he like literally would answer what was resting on my mind at night and I would get up literally in the middle of the night and just scribble on a piece of paper. And I'd get up in the morning and go, what the heck did I write? And when I deciphered it, realized it was God inspired. So I always tell people to pray. Um, and, and I think that that is also very calming. I, I don't have a problem with trying things that are innovative, um, holistic. You know, none of those things are gonna hurt you. So why not, you know, go where your heart is and try what you want um, just to, to make sure you feel in your heart you're being proactive and getting in front of the disease. And in the end, you can say, look, Lord, I've done everything that you've asked me to do. I've done everything that I know to do and, um, and, and your will be done. And there's help out there, isn't there? There's more help out there than you can realize. Um, we do um, a lot of times, Lisa or Connie, the two I work with, that when someone first applies for assistance, um, they, the three of us get together all the time on sharing other resources that are available to people because it's, uh, there's a lot of resources out there depending on what people need. That's, um, that's the whole purpose of what you do, your, the acronym. No one should go solo. That's right. This disease requires warriors. It does. Around you, doesn't it? You know, a lady called me, and this was one of the things I, I, I really stands out in my mind. Um, you know, I'm in a new marriage. I've got kids that are in grade school, high school, college. They're all busy. And... Out of the blue, this woman calls me and says, Janet, you don't know me. I'm a friend of a friend of a friend. And I just heard you were going through some challenges. How can I help? This lady had no idea who I was. And we sat there on the phone for two hours and talked about things that I would never discuss with any of the ones in my family. So... That's one of the reasons why we are so adamant about calling each individual because, you know, just touching them. I've had people saying, I'm sitting on the couch crying, and I, I said out loud, God, what am I going to do? And then you called on the phone. You know, so I think it's really important just to have someone to talk to and, and get rid of some of the anxiety that you carry. How does someone in need get in touch with your organization? Um, our website is the best way. Um, we have a, you can go in there and just apply for assistance or you can ask a question. Um, send us an email at info at ihavewings.org or um, go in and apply for assistance um, through the website. And anyone can apply. So we work with nurse navigators and um, and we took off all the locks so that anyone could go in and, you know, and just say, not give us all the information we need, but just give us the, the name and the number of the person they want us to call or whatever. 
What is the geographic area that you serve presently? Well, every January, our board gets together and decides um, if we're going to expand our territory or if we're going to keep the status quo. And so we started out in Northern Kentucky. The first year we helped four families. And now we, I consider us more regional because we are Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Anyone in Ohio, Kentucky, or Indiana can apply for assistance and we, we will do our very best to help them emotionally and financially. Uh, beyond what I call our comfort zone, uh, Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, uh, we are considered a national foundation. We have a smaller budget for that, but we do call those people. We do send them a card, we send them a care package, and we send them um, a gift card, so or two gift cards actually. So we do have a budget for people outside Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. But um, you know, put yourself in our shoes. You know, you someone applies for assistance and then says, "My mother lives in Pennsylvania." and she's fighting breast cancer too. I finally went to the board and said, you know, give me something because, you know, cancer is the same whether you live here or you live there. But anyway, that has helped quite a bit. So at least we have something to give people that are outside our our comfort zone. And from my experience, after the book went out, I had the, the wonderful privilege of speaking in many, many states and two different countries, You were actually. on a roll, man. It was yeah. amazing. And what I found, and, uh, you know, I'm starting in this area because I spend my time here um, and in Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and in Florida, but I'm hoping to take this podcast on the road. But to those who may be listening elsewhere, uh, there are organizations like this in every state. You just have to ask. You can ask a nurse, you can ask a doctor, um, you can ask someone that's sitting in one of those plastic chairs right next to you. Um, There are great organizations like this, many of which are founded by amazing people like Janet Chambers, who went through this, who uh, got cut up in the briar patch while she was in the middle of the forest, and she knows where the quicksand is, and she knows where the, uh, the danger spots are, and she came out the other side, and the sun was shining, and the birds were chirping, thank God. And she can, you know, there are people like Janet that can help you get to that other side. If you're in St. Louis, if you're in Nevada, no matter where you are, uh, you just have to ask. And one of the things I wrote about in the book, Janet, was uh, that I felt asking for help was a weakness because uh, I'm a guy and there was a bumper sticker I saw on a car once and it said all men are idiots and I married their king <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I said well you know that kind of fit me way back when and I, I, uh, I just want to urge everybody that there's help and to ask and there, it is not a weakness it's a strength because you get joy when you help people Uh, And so allow people to help you and get grace, which leads me to uh, another thing I want to talk to you about. There are people out there that may want to volunteer and join you. How do they do that? 
Well, we have lots of opportunities for volunteers. Um, a, a big people really enjoy getting involved in our Christmas program, um, and what we do is we we flag families along the way if they have children, and we know um, who throughout the year is starting treatment in the middle of their treatment or at the end of their treatment, and and how many kids they have, or or what is huge in this area is grandparents raising their grandchildren. Uh, Kentucky, I think, is the number one state in the union where grandparents have the legal custody of their grandchildren. And um, so we always want to look at that too because that, that scenario could, for whatever reason, like mom, um, mom could have died and grandma is raising the children and then grandma gets breast cancer or maybe the daughter gets breast cancer and the daughter moves in with mom there's so many different scenarios um we had a couple uh, we had a lady who locally had um was adopting her grandchildren because she um, had breast cancer at one time um her daughter had three kids and her daughter had just had a baby and her and her um son-in-law were driving to a concert and got hit on a head-on collision and so she had a newborn baby and two other children and then she grandma was re-diagnosed with breast cancer so she's fighting for her life and fighting for her grandchildren um so yeah anyway so the christmas program is is huge and we really love getting volunteers involved we um we assign them the family we give them the the basics about the family and then they connect personally with the family um, so that's one uh, we have educational kits that go out to schools so if you know of a school that needs an educational kit contact us we provide those free um, certainly we always love to have donations but we also have opportunities like at our big spring bling and brew coming up um, we have between 50 and 65 volunteers that'll be at that event helping us that night. Um, so that's a good way to get involved. Um, so we have people who call people. We have people who send out care packages. Um, I have great needs for um, someone to help us run the volunteer program because, um, and then we have the jewelry. Oh Lord, we have the jewelry. <laughs> you can always come and help us clean jewelry, right? So we, we take donations of old costume jewelry throughout the year. And right now we're cleaning it every Sunday until our spring bling. So come and help us clean, yeah. Get, Lots of opportunities. And they can sign up to volunteer online, yes? On the website, sure enough. And give me that website again, if you would. It's IHaveWings.org. All right, item last. Uh, you have an event coming up. We've mentioned that a couple of times. Where is it going to be? Um, it's on Donaldson um, by the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport. So it's in Northern Kentucky, and it's at receptions. It's on Friday, April 3rd, and uh, doors open at 6. And this is how you raise the money to keep the engine going. Yeah, that is right. This this is our big event, and uh, it makes it or breaks us. And we have uh, we've partnered with uh, three different craft beer uh, breweries, and uh, and that is always a big draw for all the men. And then the jewelry is always the big draw for the women. All right. Uh, it was an honor to speak at your event um, and to meet all the people. You were a joy. Yeah, uh, you were a big hit. Well, I appreciate that. It was, uh, it was a wonderful event, and I met a lot of great people. Um, I want to conclude by telling you that volunteering 
in any organization, whether you've ever been sick or not, is uh, a joy. To see the impact that you can have on people uh, is a way of knowing just how strong you are, just what you're able to accomplish. And people like Janet, who life was going along just swimmingly uh, uh, and gets hit with a brick in the face, like you said, hitting a brick wall, uh, having your whole life turned upside down, only to impact thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, families is uh, amazing. And we're all capable of it if we, if we love each other, if we help each other. And so let's do that. If you have the time, and let's face it, we all have the time, if we can manage it better. So, you know, maybe it's something you can think about. So to conclude, uh, Janet, thank you so much for coming uh, here. Um, Thank you for what you do. And uh, like I said earlier, this is uh, the Thriving After Surviving podcast. Uh, The website is thrivingaftersurviving.com. And if you don't have the time uh, to volunteer right now because of family and obligation, but you are blessed with the ability to write a check Hopefully you can think of I Have Wings and also think about thrivingaftersurviving.com, contributing there to help me uh, educate folks to the beauty of people like Janet Chambers, who are are here to help you, help your families, help your friends, and help your community um, not only survive, but thrive. So this is Kevin Murphy. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to the next one. Bye.